You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We're so glad you're here today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer and a producer. I'm the youngest sister, and I'm looking forward to this show. Liz, you you brought a special guest along, didn't you? I do, yeah. We're going to be talking to author Connie Wang a little bit later. And uh, yeah, and we all have some opinions about some books. So I love this episode every year, Leanne. Thank you for organizing. Yes, it's our best beach bag books episode. Julie, you ready to talk books? I am, Leanne. I have two great picks that I'm going to talk about today. But you're putting together a much larger list that we'll share with all the Satellite Sisterhood. So that's great. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of a it's we're having an interview with Connie Wang. We're looking forward to that. Uh, she has a great memoir out about her and her relationship with her mom. It's kind of a special Mother's Day uh, interview with her. And then we're going to discuss our own books that we picked. The list is about 24 books total. Uh, there will be links in the show notes, links on the blog, links on all our social media. We try with our book list to be a little bit different than everybody else's. It's not just books you can read on the beach that are pink. Uh, it's a whole bunch of different <laughs> books from memoir to nonfiction to fiction, some audiobook recommendations. Um, and we're going to preview a couple of those later on in the show. Um, and then we'll have Connie Wang. But uh, first up, okay, Liz, you, I, I, yeah, I, I would like to file a protest. Okay. I would like to file a protest. And I'm not sure you are the right people to be protesting to, but I'm just putting this out into the world. As you know, uh, I am an expert on all things Theranos and all things Elizabeth Holmes. And yes. I've, I've read the books. I've watched the uh, the TV shows. I've listened to the podcasts. And I have a protest. There was a giant story about Elizabeth Holmes on the cover of the Sunday business section in the New York Times the other day. And here's the thing. The headline is Liz Holmes wants you to forget about Elizabeth. And basically, sisters, the entire story is an attempt to rebrand herself, convicted fraudster, to change her brand from convicted fraudster to Liz, the devoted mother. And I just want to say, I personally am not buying it. No, it's a pretty strong stand, Liz. I mean, usually, usually you're pretty flexible about things. Not so flexible. Is it because she, you, and and Elizabeth share the same name? Yes. Yeah. I I just feel like we know what your name is. It's Elizabeth Holmes, right? So you can try to change our minds about a lot of things, but just it just seems really brazen to just change your name. And by the way, I mean, you should read the story, but she also has changed her voice and changed her wardrobe. So I'm telling you, this is a full-on rebrand and I am not buying it. That is all. <laughs> but it starts with Liz. So it's a good thing she didn't pick Lizzie H. I mean, then she really would have been coming for your territory. Yeah. Exactly. That is my turf. Stay off it. Okay. All right. Back away. Well, well, sisters, I had a big week. Uh, it, it it happened. Okay, I'm just gonna say I was out of town, uh, and I was walking down the street, and I heard it first. It was a very loud kerplat, and then I felt it, and it was cold and it wet. I I I'm sure it was a condor that flew over my oh, head. God. Okay, okay, but this was a full-on, full-on major situation on the crown of my head. Okay, I'm out of the street. Okay, yes, Liz, bird poop on my head. Okay, I said, I am only saying that once, okay? Okay, (laughs) thank goodness, the indignity of it. And it's you, Julie. I know, it's me. Okay, and I have nothing. I have no tissue. I I can't touch it, all right? All I can do is, like, I have got to get back to my hotel. But I, you see, I can't run, sisters, because this thing is major. Okay. Like, and it's 
I, so I, I'm doing like a race walk down the street <laughs> with my head very still, like I have a book on top of my head because I feel like if I, <laughs> if I alter my head in any way, it, it's just going to make the whole situation worse. Coming down over your face. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yes, Liz. Yes. So yes. get to the hotel. I come in, I get by the front desk. I am doing a sidestep by the front desk because, again, I cannot turn very much because of the situation. And I get to the elevators. I I'm, I'm just want to get back to my room. I want to get in the shower. I want to take care of the major situation. But, of course, this is an old hotel with old elevators, like phone booth. It's a phone booth, okay? A slow phone booth. And there is a man. <laughs> at the same elevator, okay? And I'm like, okay, okay, this is going to be bad. But maybe he's going to let me in first so I can go to the back of the elevator and turn around. And then he won't notice this giant situation on my head. But, of course, he gets in the elevator first. And he's taller than me, okay? So now I cannot get this elevator. Oh, because, oh, gosh. Because of the thing. But I can't stay there in the lobby because that could be worse, right? Yeah. You know. So, so okay. So, I again, I move sideways <laughs> to the elevator. And I don't know what this man is thinking, okay? He's thinking that <laughs> just got his elevator <laughs> with the, like, weirdest woman, okay? And you know how many are his elevator lady? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I just, and I'm thinking, like, he doesn't know how lucky he is that I am not coming into the elevator and standing in front of him. I am saving him from some total gross-outs. <laughs> but, you know, but not you're, us. you're not saving us. Down your feet, you try not to. Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. I am, like, I am back, back against the wall. My head is up straight. Of course, He's on the sixth floor. I'm on the fifth floor. Okay. Okay. Let me have gotten off the elevator first. So then when it gets to my floor, again, sidestepping, sidestepping <laughs> out of the elevator. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So I made it to the shower. That's okay. pretty story. All right. Well, I suggest for all future outings, a hat, you know? Yeah. Just, just, uh. I don't, I don't know. I can't I don't know if I can recover from that story, Julie. That should come with a trigger warning. I was I'm not. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was major. Like, yes, we understand. <laughs> well, we're glad you're with us today. We're glad you're recovered. Survive today. Talk. <laughs> Condor talk. <laughs> not what I thought that story was going to be. All right. Well, no, no. See, I couldn't tell you ahead of time. <laughs> no. Okay. Ooh. All right. Well, I spent the weekend. We're about to move into the best beach bag books portion of the show. So uh, let's do something bookish here. Um, if people are still listening to the show, we might have lost most of the listeners <laughs> with that story. But if people have hung on, I spent the weekend at uh, a lit fest in the Dina or Pasadena Lit Fest. I'm, I'm not going to call it by the new name. It's a stupid name. Uh, lit, a Pasadena Lit Fest, uh, moderating two panels. I did a panel on romantic comedy and a really interesting panel on food. And you know what? They were so completely different and really fun. Now, when I moderate the panels, I, I take moderation very seriously. Like I, you, I, do. Yeah. you know, I yeah. do all the prep work. I think about the conversation flow. I personalize the questions. I send them out ahead of time. I give people a little bit of information, but not too much. I don't want to trick people, but I don't want to give away everything. So I mean, it was a heavy weekend, but was such fun panels. The romantic comedy panel, we just had a lot of fun with like the concept of romantic comedies and, you know, movies we love and books we love and the tropes we love and the comedies were all different. And it was just a lot of fun. It was steamy. There were some steamy conversations. Ooh, went there. Some, okay. steamy, some steamy wins. It all fell apart during the Q&A when one young woman, she just wanted to talk about why she couldn't find a guy like the guy in Fifty Shades of Grey. And wasn't that our <laughs> fault that her expectations were so out of whack? And I have to I did not relate to that question at all. <laughs> so I 
I let the young women on the panel handle that one. I was like, I don't understand you. But anyway, that was kind of funny. So uh, and then the next day I did a food panel with Kim Faye, who was on our show, the author of Love and Saffron. I also spoke to Fanny Singer, who is Alice Waters' daughter. And uh, yeah, yeah. So her mom of Chez Panisse fame and sort of the mother of the farm to table movement. um, uh, It was actually her mother. And she has a beautiful memoir out. It's actually on our best beach bag books list because it's great. It's like a memoir slash recipe slash love letter to her mom called Always Home. She's a wonderful writer uh, in her own right and, um, you know, a foodie, but not a professional chef. So it was great. And then the other woman, um, is somebody who does, she has an interesting background. Uh, mate Gomez is her name. And she, um, she was an art curator who then became a chef who lectures on art and cooking and food and paintings, and then does cooking lessons around the paintings. And then she also hosts a podcast with Eva Longoria uh, about the history of food. So it just, they all brought such interesting perspectives on writing about food and eating food, the connective power of food. It was a really fun panel. So all in all, it was a very bookish weekend for me, but I was exhausted on Sunday evening. I was like, Oh, I have done a lot of talking. The only strange thing was that they held the book fest at a mausoleum. Uh huh. Yeah. Why? Well, I don't. I don't know why, Joel. I have to say, like, three straight days around dead people. I just wasn't that into it. I, I have to be. <laughs> that also sounds very cold and echoey. It was. <laughs> it was both those things, Liz. Yes, I was lucky to be in a room that wasn't echoey, but a lot of rooms were echoey. So it's like a 1920s mausoleum that you would probably recognize from literally every Hollywood movie. They shoot uh-huh. there about 150 days a year. Literally, they were shooting while we were there. Six Feet Under was there. They had. A, they actually have a, a grave that is created just for filming. It's metal-paneled grave so that the actors can get in and out of the grave, like somewhere on the actual cemetery. It's very L.A. But the whole thing, I was like, at least we're in a room where no one's dead. Okay, that feels good. So, but anyway... Really fun. A bunch of the books uh, that I read, I really enjoyed, and those made our best beach bag books list. So we're going to talk about those later. That's great. Okay. Well, next up, we are talking to writer and journalist and editor Connie Wang. Her new memoir, Oh, My Mother, A Memoir in Nine Adventures, is about her travels and her, you know, up and down relationship with her mother, loving yet dramatic relationship with her mother, Ching Lee. So, which is why it's our Mother's Day pick today and also on our best beach bag book list. And Connie was born in China, raised in Minnesota, and lives in Los Angeles. And I actually had a chance to meet her at the Book Soup bookstore in West Hollywood last month. So it is very fun to have her here on the show. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo, you can, you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay. You know, we have raved about the Andaria algae body oil. Mm -hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria collagen body oil. Youthful, Liz, a youthful glow is going to (laughs) happen. And it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's, That's true. 
That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code SAD Sisters. So this is it. This is a win, win, win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what uh, what what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you know, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. Butcher Box gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. We are back and I would like to welcome Connie Wang to the special Best Beach Bag Books 2023 episode of Satellite Sisters. And congrats, Connie, because it's your actual pug date. Yes, it yes. is. Hi. <laughs> so Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes, very exciting. How are you celebrating publication date? Oh, try not to barf. That's uh, <laughs> that's really how I'm doing it. Um, but but uh, this afternoon, I think I'm going to go visit a local bookstore, see it on the shelves, and then go get um, dinner with, with my mother, Ching. Oh, very nice. (laughs) All right. Well, the name of Connie's book, as I mentioned already, is Oh, My Mother, A Memoir in Nine Adventures. And I think one of the things I really loved about this, Connie, is that not only is your voice very strong, obviously you're the writer, but so is your mother's. And I feel like I got an understanding of who Ching Lee was in the world, not just who she was to you. And you know, sometimes in mother-daughter memoirs, you know, that doesn't always come through. So what is it that you wanted us to know about your mother, Ching Lee? Yeah, now, Liz, thank you so much for for, for noticing that, because I did work really, really hard on making sure that I captured her spirit. Um, at this point, you know, I've, I've, I've lived with Ching in my life for my entire life. So um, her nuances and quirks and her sensibilities are almost invisible to me. She just is who she is. But whenever, whenever I introduce her to someone new in my life, uh, a coworker, whoever, they always leave with this impression of like, your mom is a strange person. And like a strange, <laughs> like a magical wow, like good way. But no one's ever like, oh, she's like, you know, just, just another person. Um, and she's always insisted that she is a special person, you know, mm. um, and not and like, I don't want to say it in like a narcissistic or egocentric way or any, anything, but, you know, we've always in my family, all the women in our family are from contrary in any ways, but she Ching is sort of amplified, taking it up to all the way, like to 11. Um, 
<laughs> like everything about her, the, her style, the, her diet, what she liked, how she likes to spend her time, her sleeping habits. Everything is just like abnormal in a way that is a positive thing. So I'm always going to be like, oh, my mom is just like a weird person. Maybe it's like her self-professing that she's just a strange person. <laughs> as I as I get older, I just I know that it's, it's, it's deep into her bones. Like she is a singular person. Um, and her personality just pops off the page, even when I'm trying not to amplify her personality, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, I mean, for a book about her, like, why not but lean in? Um, and so I'm, I'm really happy that <laughs> the world gets to be charmed by her um, and not just people in my immediate circle. Hi, Connie. This is Julie. Can you explain the title, Oh, My Mother! Exclamation Point, with an exclamation point at the end? <laughs> Yeah, so at the at the very very beginning, the 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 working title that I had in my head when I was even thinking about this book is uh, what was the Chinese translation of "Oh my mother," which is "Wadamaya," and in Chinese you say "Wadamaya" when you mean like "Oh my god," or like it's it's almost like an expletive, but like it's a polite expletive that you use, um, and you say it when you want to say "Oh my god," uh, it's like. Ugh. Like something happened, uh, you know, like there's a mistake that happened or you you reach some sort of minor epiphany in your day. Oh, my God, is a, a phrase you say over and over and over again. But in Chinese, it's not God. You say mother, um, which I, I say this in the book, but I, I kind of like it more. Um, yeah, I like it, too. Yeah, I might right? start using it. Oh, my mother. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's the first person I think of when something happens right and i think that that's baked into you know i remember getting my ears pierced when i was nine years old and um just being so terrified in the chair and the only thing i could say over and over and over again was oh my mom oh my mom my mom my mom and <laughs> you know she was just like this is so funny um but it's the instinctual subconscious person that you always reach out to when something wonderful or tragic happens in your life and so that was the name that I had in my head. I got to write about my mom and like, how, how else do I capture it by just by, by, by not saying, well, the Maya, oh, my mother, um, that kind of sums up our, our, our relationship um, and sort of our, our history together. I love that. Okay. So it's a memoir written in nine adventures, as you call it. So it's nine separate essays. Yeah. It's visiting Disney World. It's wearing flip-flops at Versailles. It's spending time in China with relatives. But there's one that I have to start with because you don't know this about us, Connie. We also have a very notable story about our mother and Magic Mike. And And I would say that ours is pretty much the opposite of yours in any way. Because <laughs> by yes, by accident we took our mother to see the movie. And yeah, I'll I'll send you the episode where you can listen to the rest of the story. But your mother actually loved Magic Mike. Like Magic Mike XXL was uh -huh. one of her favorite movies, which she saw, I appreciated this detail, at the Eden Prairie AMC in Minnesota. <laughs> a so, few times. Not just yeah, a, few a few times. times. <laughs> okay. I can tell you, Edna Dolan did not go back to Magic Mike. That, that did not happen. But then you decided to take your mom to the Magic Mike strip, strip show in Vegas. Uh, and this was all your idea. So why and how'd that go? <laughs> oh, gosh. If I could only answer why. I don't know why. It was me thinking, never thinking that she would say yes. You know, it's like we like to sort of like egg each other on and we know each other's breath boundaries, but we always end up surprising each other. So I had been hearing about how much she loved Magic Mike for weeks and weeks at that point. And I also knew that um, Channing Tatum was putting on a sort of like live production of Magic Mike XXL in, in Vegas. And so we at at my my at my job at Refinery 29, we were thinking of ways to to cover that story. And I mean, in those pitch meetings, like you're just throwing around like any sort of relationship that you have with the sort of the 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 you know the the subject matter. And I was like, I'm, like the thing I can't stop thinking about is how much my mom likes this movie. It's like you should just take your mom. Take your mom. <laughs> Like so that's even gosh. funnier that it was a magazine pitch idea. Oh my gosh. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, and so I did not ever think she would say yes. And she said yes. Um, and so I was on the hook for that. But you know, the thing about writers and writing is that like we're <laughs> emotional puppies, I would say. Like we're not so good at processing our own feelings and emotions and, and thoughts unless we write them down. And so I knew that this was 
this was a really, really uh, awkward sort of thing that I had gone myself into. And like, it was, you know, I can't even like to this day, I have trouble like talking about it out loud, but it was, we really, really understand. (laughs) But I was like, if I put a deadline attached to this, if I get myself on the hook, and then if I force myself to write through it maybe we can come to the other side and like something like something nice will happen so we ended up going and i mean i think she had a great time (laughs) she she talks about it with a lot of warmth and i think that when we came home she was like she was really really thrilled um just because like vegas was really fun for her like the actual stage show was pretty incredible if like i going with your mom takes gives it a, a, a a um, it feels so cringy. Yeah, it feels so awkward. There is another layer of emotion that gets added to that experience because you're going with your mom. I kind of blacked out, not because I was drinking, but just because I, I was. It was too much pressure for me. I barely remember um, the 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 whole uh, situation and event. Um, but my mom did take a very long video of me. Um, when I got pulled up on stage, <gasps> oh, oh my God! Oh, oh yeah, I know that was it was that was my that was my fault. I like to wear this. Here's a here's a big tip: if you go to Magic Mike and you do not want to be pulled up on stage, do not wear pants. I mean, like don't oh. like obviously wear clothes. <laughs> like if you wear a skirt, they generally won't pick you because you you have to get twirled around and hung upside down and all these things and so they usually target people wearing pants and unfortunately i was wearing pants because that's just what i like to wear um and so i was uh yeah well that's a good tip for the satellite sisterhood (laughs) wear pants wear pants to magic mike xxl no do not wear pants do (laughs) not wear pants oh do not wear pants i'm sorry do not wear pants Pants. Even if you're a pants person, do not wear pants if you don't want to get pulled up on stage. But I do have a video in case it, if I ever feel very masochistic, I can revisit um, and re- try to remember what happened to me that that evening. Um, but I, that, I will not be doing that. Patty, this is is this your first book? This is your first book, correct? It is my first book. Yes, and it's the, it's a memoir, and you use the nine adventures as your structure, which is really interesting. Why did you decide to do it that way? Yeah, uh, good question, Lynn. Um, it's uh, it's mostly because I'm used to writing in essay format. You know, I've been writing for 15, 20 years now at this point. Um, and I write mostly for a digital internet audience, which means that, you know, the attention spans are a bit shorter, like the, the, the ability to hyperlink out and add more context and all of these like footnotes and things like that is part of like how internet writers write. Um, and so the idea of writing a book was so daunting to me. The only way I could think of doing it was to cut it up into, you know, internet length feature sections, by the way, of nine discrete chapters um, that all had to do with one another. Obviously, it's chronological. It's the story of our lives. But each one of them is its own kind of separate essay. Um, and honestly, like I I am a newish mom now, but I am also like a very busy person. Um, and one of the things that always brought me down about reading and books, and I love reading and I love books, is that it took me so long to finish a book because I would have to always go back half a chapter because I would fall asleep as I'm reading it. Oh, you know, at night, yes. we're familiar with that situation. Oh my gosh. I know. So for a long time, I was so guilty about the fact that I, it took me so long to read books and I'm a fast reader. And I'm like, if I could only write something that people could get through in a quick clip, if they could read a chapter at a time, bounce around if they wanted to, it doesn't really even matter. And like, yeah, it's digestible and accessible, but still feel meaningful. And I hope I did something like that. Um, but that's why I structure the book the way it is. Each chapter, I hope, is, is a standalone of sorts. Huh. Um, but it's also sort of a lazy thing. <laughs> yeah, who needs to write that connective tissue? Yeah, whatever. Just, just blow through it. No one wants to read that. Yeah, so the secret is it's basically nine internet feature essays. Patty, <laughs> Patty, has your mother read the book? Oh yes, Julie. As she's not only read it, but she uh, she was the first one to see the proposal and the outline. Oh, after I finished each chapter, she was the first person to read it. She gave, she was the first person to give me notes and edits. She's read this book, I think, more than I have at this point. Um, and so like, I, I could, like, I, I think a lot of people write, um, 
write about themselves and their families kind of in isolation. And I totally understand why. Um, it is a really, really vulnerable act um, to, to, to write about yourself and to write about um, the really important things that happen in your life because, you know, it's, it, it, it's I, having gone through this process, I know how raw and exposing it can feel. And showing it to people who know you the best or profess to know you the best can be just a really, really, really big um, thing. Um, but I couldn't imagine doing this without her input and without her collaboration, not only because she she knows the process. Like back in China, she was an editor of nonfiction. So oh, she knows wow. publishing. Yeah, exactly. So she knows publishing way better than than I do, um, of course, in, in a different era and in a different country. But I really, really valued her advice and her guidance on how to structure a book, what to go after, like and, and, and you know, the, just like the mechanics of, and the functions of writing a book. Um, but at the same time, like it's her life. Um, and I, the last thing I wanted to do was misrepresent her. Um, and honestly, like knowing what lay ahead of us and the process we would be going on together. And this was also in the middle of the pandemic when, um, you know, there's not much else to divert yourself uh, besides mm -hmm. conversations with people, you know, uh, mm -hmm. it really gave us a, uh, you know, a list of, of, of <laughs> talking points um, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. That's an yeah. intense relationship. It was yeah. Really intense process, um, really intense conversation. Sometimes like we veer wildly off the path and like, we are never talking about this thing ever again. That was horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, it cracks something open and, and that's, those are the things that made it into the book. So yes, she's read it. Uh, she probably has memorized certain sections at this point. <laughs> wow, um, you know. Um, but no, she. This is this is as much a book that she she did um, as as it, it was a book that I did. Yeah. So, Connie, I met you at a book reading at Booksoup, where you were interviewing the author Soon Wiley, whose book When We Fall Apart we actually recommended on Satellite Sisters. And in the chit chat before you and Soon started. You said to him, he was saying that it had taken him seven years to write his book. And you said, oh, my God, you could never do that. And that nonfiction was so much easier. And, you know, I get it didn't take you seven years, but it does seem like you mined some really hard things here. So and the process you just described with your mother and cracking a lot of other things open, that doesn't sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Liz, that's right. Um, I, I, I don't. I think it'd be a disservice to myself and my mother to call it easy. It would also be a disservice to my husband, who uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> he is definitely not like a main character in this book. But the only reason I was able to actually put words down is because he took over the childcare on, mm. on weekends. You know, if I didn't have time to write this, like I couldn't have done it. And so it's really, it's really a uh, shout out to Nathan Reese. Um, <laughs> he. Uh, really saved my butt with this um but yeah no it it one of the reasons why it didn't take me seven years is because i didn't have seven years i think the process for publishing nonfiction is different from fiction um when you sell a book for nonfiction, you kind of sell an idea and then they give you a time limit and they're like go like this is your deadline you have to finish by the deadline and when it comes to fiction i from what i understand for the most part you kind of have to finish it and then you sell it but that's uh, true yeah, in some cases, yeah. This yeah. is Leon's life now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So like that feels really daunting to to kind of work in the like work in the dark, sort of work at your own pace and uh only with your own internals, sort of mm -hmm. like benchmarks that they mm -hmm. and then ask people if they like it. So working in an opposite fashion is much more sort of a comfortable uh, that that process is much more familiar to me just in in the terms of like internet publishing. I pitch first and then I complete an assignment once it's been assigned to me, um, and I I work really well on a deadline. Um, yeah. But uh, one year is not a lot of time, especially when that year also has to involve a lot of like mother daughter sort of like self done therapy. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, that it's like, you know, we scheduled conversations, but it made it also easier that she was living with me um, for big chunks of the year um, because of the pandemic, obviously. And, and I had a, a newborn at home. And so we were all sharing childcare duties. Uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to ask about that because I'd say one of the most difficult essays was about you gave birth in sort of the peak pandemic times before 
vaccines were even available. You had an emergency C-section. And then you had a really hard postpartum experience, Connie, didn't you? I did, Liz. Um, (laughs) I had my son, Mark, on September 11th, 2020, which I think is... That's my birthday, too. (laughs) September 11th? I'm also a September 11th baby, so... (laughs) Oh, my God. Good luck. It seems like a bad omen, but I... Okay. I was like, I think, I mean, it's my fault. I just kept putting it out in the universe. I'm like, it's as long as it's not September 11th. As long as it's not September 11th. The universe was like, September 11th, I got it. Like, that will be the day. Um, But yeah, no, it was was a very isolating experience, which honestly is like kind of good for me. I like, like when I'm going through tough things, I generally, my tendency is to sort of like hide in my hidey hole. Um, So I was, I don't want to say thriving during the pandemic, but I was like, I feel like I am well equipped to do to do pandemic living. Um, but, but you know, what I didn't realize about having a baby, and not, nothing can prepare you for this, um, was that my particular experience, I, I, it was so, it was so high stakes because you don't have any context and you don't know anything. You don't know what you can do to hurt or harm or sort of like mess things up because it's like the first time anyone's doing this. Um, but it's also incredibly boring, which is so good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's so much more interesting later on. But for those first few months, I was like, I'm doing the same order of things and actions every hour and a half for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm like, I am caught in this sort of like loop, this like psychotic loop that I couldn't break myself out of. And that was, it was, I mean, when I say crazy making, it was really, really crazy making. Um, you know, I look back on that time and I'm like, it, like people say, it's such a blur. It's like, you're, you feel like you're in a dream. And it's like, yeah, um, that is uh, the, the very generous way to describe it. <laughs> um, but as well, especially as, during a pandemic with all right. the extra isolation involved yeah. and concern and worry. Yes, uh, that's, that sounded super hard. Yeah, there was a lot of concern. You're just like, well, we had a baby because we were so optimistic about the future. Um, and then in my first trimester, I was like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're a little yeah. immature in our optimism. But, you know, I do think that having kids is probably one of the most optimistic actions you can take. Um, and I really try to focus on that. And, and and now I can say like two and a half years after I gave birth, I can I can certainly say that like he is optimism personified, you know. Um, and I'm like, I'm so happy that I made it for those first few months. But Ching was there, too. Um, and it was interesting because she had quite a lot of help when she had me um, in, in China, like the raising kids and child childbearing is really a family affair. And I think that that is the case for many countries um, and many cultures outside of America. Uh, but here, I think it was, it's, it was a little novel to have my my mom here really doing it with me. And I'm so grateful that she was uh, because the, during those stints that she left, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> this is too hard. But having her there also, it provokes a major falling out. And, you know, I, I just I wonder how you make sense of that now. It's kind of it's a very like I think one of the 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 darkest and deepest fights you have with her is during that time. Yeah, and not to give anything away, um, but, you know, most of our fights between my mother and I are based off of uh, miscommunication and misunderstanding. And that is in part because, you know, the, the, the language that we use to even speak with one another is not the, the same, you know. My dominant language is English and her dominant language, language is Chinese. And so there's a lot that gets misinterpreted when we when we speak to one another and and for the most part and as we've gotten older we have a lot of patience with one another to kind of um try to approach all of those situations with trying to trying to just assume the best intent you know from one another but when we're in stressful situations we assume the worst intent and those miscommunications just get so amplified um, so yeah, that's a big blow up that happened when she was over. Um, that was really just like, it, it just went right into the heart of the, the exact things that make her sad and insecure and the exact things that made me sad and insecure. And we just reverted back to the sort of like the worst of ourselves, you know? Um, 
But I think the difference between those moments when it happened when I was a kid and as I was growing up, that we didn't have the tools or even the sort of like hope that things might get better. The difference is like now we know that things don't have to be that way. And so this is the first time that we've ever had a bite that big. And we came out of it by talking with one another. Otherwise, like I think if it wasn't if it wasn't now, if we didn't have the tools and we weren't equipped, she would have left. You know, we would have not spoken to each other for for months. Um, but because we knew like that it doesn't have to be this this way, it only took a couple hours for us to calm down and sort of then reconnect and retalk um, and really get into the heart of like what our deal is, you know, wow. you lose to understand each other. And then, you know, what we kind of understood about each other um, as, as, as not just a mom and daughter, um, but as, you know, as, as parents trying to understand how to parent um, and as like women too, who not, not to give us anything away again, but like as women who really, really deeply want to be our own person um, and not belong to anything um, in a way that feel like limits um, our freedom. Mm, sounds like there's a lot of lessons in that essay. There are, there are, there, yeah. There's some, there's some full house moments in there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a very special episode. I mean, that, okay. That, yeah. Tease. Good. I mean, really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a comp women, we have complicated relationships with our mothers. Even if they're great, they're complicated always. Absolutely. Well, and when they're trying to tell you how to raise your children, Leah, maybe. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a situation that where everything is amplified and right. it's very fraught and you're, everybody's sensitive and the yes. baby's crying, right? Right. And, that, that, and you're exhausted and you're leaking yes. and it's just, yes. yeah, those are, yes, yeah, those are very good. There is some writing about the leaking leak. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you mentioned that. <laughs> yes. yes. There's leaking, weeping. There's a lot going on. Yep. There, yes. There's too many fluids from too many places. Too many <laughs> fluids. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be dry again. Let's do that way. <laughs> Well, Connie, congratulations. Thanks. Really, thanks all for talking to us. Oh, yes, I love this discussion. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with the book. And also, happy Mother's Day to Ching. Tell her we say hi. <laughs> I definitely will. It was such a pleasure to to speak with you three. And can I just say, like, to be able to have a podcast with three sisters is just like, I mean, you guys have had, like, this is the best. <laughs> so much, so Connie. Thank you. Well, happy Mother's Day to you too, Connie. So uh, we'll have you back on sometime. Thanks so much for joining us today for the big Best Beach Back Books episode. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, I you did. like to share? Would you like you know, to? I know I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds like- you are like going to be happy, okay? <laughs> That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. 
Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay? And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Liz, what a delight to talk to Connie. I'm so glad you were able to connect with her and have her come on the show. She was uh, really interesting, really, really sounds like a fascinating book. Yeah, it is. And it was very fun to see her. As I said, when I met her at Book Soup, she was interviewing another author and they were really having fun talking to each other about their work and their culture and, you know, how they operate. And uh, so I knew that she would be fun, good at talking about how she writes, but also that she had a juicy story at the heart of what she wrote about, which is her mother, Ching. Yeah, I thought it was so fascinating that her mother was an editor in China. That they that they're in the same roles, uh, but in different countries, in different languages, and I can't. I really look forward to reading the book and learning more about the her Asian American immigrant experience. Yeah, there is there is a lot of that. I mean, she that's what she writes about as a journalist. You know, she reports on race and culture, and so this is sort of a personal way at getting at a lot of the same issues that she likes to write about anyway. I just always think like the mother-daughter relationship is is so, uh, well, it's complex and it changes over time. But the idea of sitting down and writing a book with your mother, I can't think of anything worse. I mean, we <laughs> I mean, we wrote a book about our childhood, our first book, yeah. Satellite Sisters, Uncommon Senses. But I, there was at no point did we ever fact check with our parents at almost anything. But we did let them read the book. Julie, that was your assignment. Yes. Yes, they did that, read the book before it was published, and uh, and they loved it, right? Right. They felt like they both came out really well in the book, so they were pleased. <laughs> those, were, those were our mom's exact words. <laughs> yes. But we did not ask for notes. No, no, <laughs> no, no. So that, I mean, I just admire that. Don't you think, Liam? Super is. brave. It is. Yeah, it is. I, yeah, it is. It is. Um, okay. Speaking of book events, I do have one coming up on Martha's Vineyard. I, I have mentioned it briefly because it was just sort of a, it was way off in the distance, it seemed, but it actually is closer than you think. It's on Thursday, June 15th at the West Tisbury Public Library. Here's the fun thing. I'm doing it with my uh, high, my lifelong friend, Elizabeth Green. She's a visual artist there on Martha's Vineyard. And so we're doing a talk together called Let the Sunshine In, Cultivating Creativity in Midlife. So it's going to oh. be about... Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we cooked that up. Like there's some learning involved. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. Cooking that up. So she's going to be um, 
talking about painting and and the mixed media work that she does. She also does really interesting work with fabric. And then I'm going to be talking about writing and there will be book sales and we'll have some refreshments and just really looking forward to it. So I know that we have some Satellite Sisters on the Vineyard. It's Thursday, June 15th at the West Tisbury Public Library. It's at 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, I don't think there's information up on the library website yet because the woman who runs the events department has been on maternity leave. So we're trying to get trying to get that up. But I just thought I'd start, you know, save the dating this uh, Thursday, June 15th at the West Tisbury Public Library. So that's uh, I'll be on the vineyard and then we're going to go to the Nantucket Book Festival after that. So I'm going to two hard to reach islands in a single trip. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Pack the dream with me. Yes. Long way from Pasadena. Yes, it is. But it's, it's going to be great. No, Liz and I will have a lot of fun. Um, another Liz who rightly owns the word Liz. She's a good Liz. My friend Elizabeth Green, uh, uh, we're going to have some fun at our event. And then we're just going to go to the vineyard as um, or go to Nantucket as uh, civilians. Just just go to the book to the book festival there for fun. OK, so uh, up next now we have our Satellite Sisters Beach Bag books. We wanted to get each of you, each of us are going to discuss a couple of the books that we picked for the list and why. But as we mentioned, the list is extensive. It's about 24 books. The complete list is over at bookshop.org. That's like where we like to put all of our books um, together. It's super easy to make lists. It's very visual. You can read descriptions of all the lists, and then you can buy books there if you'd like. That particular um, website supports indie bookstores all over the country, and so we like to support that website in particular, but it also is just a really easy place for us to put all the books so you can see it. So there's a blog post at SatelliteSisters.com. There's links to our, uh, our list at bookshop.org. Uh, and then we'll spread this information out as much as we can. And over the course of the summer, we're going to talk to a couple of other of the authors on the list. But for now, you get to hear our picks. So, Julie, you're up first. What do you think? Well, first of all, Leanne, thank you for pu putting together the book list. It's so much fun to read uh, all the books. And my first pick is Geraldine Brooks' new book called Horse. And this is a novel. It is based on on a real horse, Lexington, who in the 1850s was the, mo was the most famous horse, the most winning horse, uh, thoroughbred racehorse uh, in America, okay, for a short period of time. So that's sort of the historical fact. But this is a story that goes back and forth between 1850 Kentucky and present-day uh, Washington, D.C., and there's several important themes. So you learn about the horse and you learn about the groom, the slave groom that takes care of this horse and the and the unique relationship that the two of them have together. But you also learn about all sorts of other characters. So it's it's about love. It's about loss. It's about racism and race. Um, and it's just fascinating how the uh, Geraldine Brooks has woven together historical figures um from 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 the 1850s with current day and i i think this is one of my favorite books that i've read this year so i highly recommend geraldine brooks a horse okay. i love horse. her writing it's she's a novel horse okay it's horse is the name of it so that okay. That's a it's it's a it's a serious book, but I think our our listeners would really like it. On a much lighter note, I, my second pick is you know we've talked on Satellite Sisters and we recommended Liz and I watched Slow Horses, the Apple TV show, uh, which we just loved, right, Liz? Loved it, and, loved it. Don't you? I mean, there are two seasons of it, and don't you kind of miss it a little? That I it did. I know. Okay, well, I have just the book for you, Liz. This is Mick Heron, who wrote the original, uh, who wrote um, the original book um, on which the TV show was based, Slow Horses, has he has eight books in a series, and this is his recent one called Bad Actors, Mick Heron. And so this is the same crew uh, of, of sort of failed MI6 spies, and they have been sent to this detention center, sort of slow house, slow house. And 
um, and this is one of their adventures. And so he, but it's laugh out loud funny. I chortled, I snorted, I did all these things when I was reading this book, and I highly recommend it. It's called Bad Actors by Mick Heron. I probably plan to read all the other books this summer, too. It's out in paperback, so it's an easy book to take with you on any of your summer travels. Okay. Julie, I want to mention, too, that I have listened to this entire series on audiobook. Oh, you so have? They, yes. Fantastic audiobooks by one of the best audiobook narrators in the business. The humor really comes through. Yeah, I listened to the whole series um, during the pandemic. So, yeah, fantastic audiobooks as well. Okay. All right. Well, I'm up next. And mine is social commentary slash book recommendations. <laughs> She's got a lot on her mind today, doesn't she, Jewel? Well, she she is the original Liz, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead. So I just want to highlight an interesting, surprising phenomenon. There are four best-selling memoirs this spring by female runners. And I have the details on the list, but they are good for a girl, a Woman Running in a Man's World by Olympian Lauren Fleshman, Running While Black by activist and endurance runner Allison Desir, The Longest Race by NCAA champion and Olympian Kara Goucher, and Choosing to Run by Boston Marathon winner Des Linden. And here's the thing. I knew last fall that all four of these books were coming out, and I thought, oh, that's too bad. They're just going to all drown each other out. Why Why are they publishing all of these at the same time? And you know what? Exactly the opposite happened. They are all doing really well. They are all finding readers. And I, speaking of audiobooks, Leanne, I listened to all of these. I'm not recommending that everyone listen to all four, because, but there's, there's one on this list that you will like. But I listened to the audiobooks because these are memoirs by women, and I love hearing women tell their own stories in their own voices. So, but here's the kind of social commentary question. Do you think, why do you think these are all out there and selling so well? I think it's maybe that we're finally ready to hear the actual lived experiences of female athletes instead of just the sanitized sort of TV up close and personal profile versions. You know, I'd say these books have they're highly readable, uh, but they have triumphs and celebrations, but some pretty shocking, hard truths about sexism, racism, uh, body image struggles, doping, exploitation, and abuse by, by coaches. So maybe we've been introduced to enough of these themes now that we're, that we can read them and look behind the curtain and we want to know. Uh, what their actual experiences are. I don't know. What do you guys think? Why, why would all four of these books be selling so well this spring? I'm very happy about it, but super surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, sometimes um, what happens just from a book business perspective is if one book is good, four books are better, you know, that like they actually help each other out in a marketing way. So it's not necessarily a bad, a bad thing to have books on a theme. They may be marketed together. They're on lists together. You know, people get interested in the subject matter and so run through them, you know, boom, 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 boom. Like it, that happens in nonfiction a lot. So from a publishing standpoint, that's not that surprising. Uh, I do think culturally um, we're at a place where female athletes have they've taken a lead in so many social issues that I think they've reached a new status. People are really interested. They were interested in Simone Biles and what happened to her at the Tokyo Olympics and standing mm -hmm. on the sideline. Like that was a breakthrough. The think about the US women's soccer team and their grueling fight yes. for equal pay. I think that really broke through and got a lot of news coverage and made people really look about look at, you know, look at that, the value of female athletes. I think there have been anniversaries of um Title Nine. Uh, like, was it there just a 50th anniversary yeah. of Title IX? Yeah. So that actually gets people thinking about the legacy of these things. And then sadly, we have seen a lot of like female female athletes, uh, you know, in, in really abused by coaches, abused by yeah. coaches or abused by parents. And these are all cultural issues that these female athletes have really come to the forefront to speak about. So yeah, I just need the moment. Yeah, we right. need positive role models, right? Uh, you know, and we need people that inspire us, inspire us with their own athletic feats. And I think that is 
uh, that there's a real interest in that as well. Yeah, it's surprising that it's track and field. I mean, let's face it, that's there are other sports more popular. But right. but as we know, Liz, as you've told us and schooled us, track and field is the most popular athletic sport in high school. Right. Mm-hmm. There are more yeah. high school athletes that do that than any other sport. So, you know, people, people have done it. Yeah. And people know these Olympians, you know, so right. even if they're not the most famous professional athletes in the world. They've seen them in the, the, the Olympics. They remember some of these moments. I mean, Des Linden, when she won the Boston Marathon on this incredibly stormy day, she was the first American woman to win that race in 30 years. So these are notable achievements by these four women. And I just think it's so great that they that they are out there documenting their experience and we can all read about sort of the changing female uh, experience in sports. So good for all four of them. I think you don't have to be a super hardcore runner to appreciate all of these books. Um, I think if you know any teenage girl that's involved in sports, I was going to ask you that. Yeah, it'd be a good book. Okay, yeah, that's good. I think several of these would be really good, especially Lauren Fleshman talks a lot about sort of puberty and what that means to girls and female athletes, but all of them touch on that and what it meant to them when they were, because they were all runners in high school, um, except for Allison Desir. Anyway, I highly recommend these. Pick one or two. Uh, you will definitely learn something. No, oh, Liz. All right. That's uh, when I saw your list come in, I'm like, this isn't a beach bag book. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know I did not follow the rules, but it's a it's a phenomenon, Leon. It's so, out there. And our list has always been a little bit different. Our list is definitely been books you can listen to on a rainy vacation uh, in the cabin in, in the mountains. You don't have to be sitting on a beach for it. Okay, I went with two books. Their theme, a little bit lighter than Liz's, but still both of them have kind of interesting personal uh, depth. Um, that They're kind of the theme of um, you get to do it over. You know, you get to redemption, you know, trying something again and and making a go of it. And the first one is actually called The Do-Over by Suzanne Park. Um, She was one of the authors I interviewed on my rom-com panel. So on the surface, it's just a cozy rom-com with a great premise. And the premise is that um, the main character is a successful, you know, marketing person in New York City. And she discovers that she never really graduated from college because she was a couple of credits short. They let her walk in graduation, but she can't really put that on her resume that she went to this fancy college because she didn't graduate. So she goes back to college to do those credits. So I just thought that was a super fun premise. Yeah. You know, like think about what a different student you'd be at 32 than you were at 22. And then, of course, much better. So much better. But also difficult, Liz. Things like you know, things may trip you up, like having to do the, um, you know, the uh, the physical. She has to do like a PE requirement. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, but of course, she runs into her ex boyfriend, who's now a teaching assistant there. So there's the romantic comedy part. But it's Suzanne. It, she is Korean American. The main character in the book is Korean American. So there's a lot in there about you know the expectations of college and education and that kind of um, and that kind of family and. All also how that impacted her mental health. So there is like some substantive uh, writing in there, but at the premise, it's just super fun. And she's a very funny writer. There are a lot of funny situations. So that's called The Do-Over by Suzanne Park. And the other one, very similar, The Half of It. And this is by Juliet Fay. I did blurb this book. Uh, Juliet and I share a publisher. So I read it a, a while ago and blurbed it, and I really enjoyed it. I like her writing a lot. It's very accessible. In this book, the main character is a woman about my age. She's coming back to her hometown. She's been through it, divorced. She's reconnecting with family. And then, oh, there's the boyfriend from high school. But then, uh-huh. but they're in their late 50s. So what's going to happen there? And they have complicated lives with exes and kids and stepchildren and jobs and aging parents. And that is a very, feels like a very real satellite sister story. Um, And I just love, I just love the warmth and the depth of that writing. Juliet Faye, the half of it. Oh, good recommendations, Leanna. Okay. Those sound great. Yeah. We have lots of fun books on the list. As I mentioned, we'll have all of the links. Don't worry. We're going to put it out in Pep Talk, which is a good thing if you haven't signed up for Pep Talk yet. It's a great thing to sign up to for our newsletter. We're going to be featuring a book or two every week in Pep Talk all through the summer. Um, but thanks to Connie Wang, who came on the show. It was great to talk to her. And it's just fun to support um, all these different kinds of authors. So fantastic. It is. It is. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. 
All right. We want to remind you that this is the last weekend you can buy. If you buy your tickets for Big Fun Weekend now, that's our October 13th, 14th, and 15th extravaganza in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I like how you said that, Leah. <laughs> Thank you. It was really fun. <laughs> uh, your name will be entered into a drawing uh, if you buy your ticket by Mother's Day. And uh, one winner will win a special Best of Minnesota gift basket that you'll be given at the event. It'll be waiting for you at the hotel in Minneapolis. So that is this weekend if you want to buy yourself a Mother's Day gift or a friend a Mother's Day gift or just a gift. Uh, we don't care. Whatever you want to do, just if you buy the ticket by Mother's Day, you'll be entered into that drawing. Thanks to everybody who has already purchased tickets. We have a special Facebook group for um, ticket buyers. So all kinds of questions and discussions going on over there. It's a private Facebook group, so join that. But just a reminder, those tickets are still for sale October 13th, 14th, and 15th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. All right. Thanks to Connie Wang, who joined us today. A big thanks to Sergio Enriquez, our engineer. Sergio, we miss seeing you. It's been really three years now. <laughs> no, it's so sad. It I know. It is sad. Uh, Well, we're glad you're still here. Emily Loudermilk does our graphics. Thank you so much, Emily. It makes us laugh every week that the great graphics come into our inbox after you listen to the show. Uh, You can see Emily's work in Pep Talk or on our Instagram at Sat Sisters. That's our Instagram. Uh, Let's see what else. Anything else before we get to our to-do? Anything I'm forgetting? I, I think you got it all. Okay. Okay. A reminder, we do have a website, SatelliteSisters.com. Yes, uh, the, full, the full book list will be there, too. But all kinds of other things uh, is over there at SatelliteSisters.com. We and do- you, can also, you can also email us. Hello at Satellite Sisters. That's our email address. We have one. Or if it's about the Big Fun Weekend, the email is BigFunWeekend at SatelliteSisters.com. Uh-huh. It's a good reminder, Liz. This only, you're the only one that reads emails. So that's why Julie and I never think of that. <laughs> we don't. I don't know that. <laughs> but thank you for reading it, Liz. <laughs> All right. Our to-do today is to wish uh, wish the moms in the audience a very happy Mother's Day. But we also want to acknowledge that this can be a really tough day for some. If you've just lost your mom or you have a difficult relationship with your mom or something else has gone awry, we know that Mother's Day can be tough. But we are very grateful for all the great women in our lives that have stood in for moms as mentors and teachers and aunts and nurses and coaches and great neighbors who have given us that caring and that, uh, you know, that motherly feeling. So we appreciate that. And we want to wish you all a happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. But uh, we also also want to give you a to-do. Call your mom, your grandmom, you know, get on the phone, send a card, your mother-in-law, wish them a happy Mother's Day. And if you're out, out and about, um, please to new mothers. How about how about mothers who had babies during the pandemic? Okay. Yes. If you see a two-year-old, that baby was born during the pandemic, you tell that mother she is doing a fantastic job. <laughs> tell her that is the cutest baby you have ever seen. Okay. Because that's a special class of moms that we really want to celebrate uh and congratulate. Oh, Julie, very nice. Good yeah. point. Good point. All right. Uh, that's it for us. Hey, sisters, have a great week. You, you too, too Leon. Don't forget to call your satellite sister. <laughs> <laughs>